Another Ian Collins once a word fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. The L200 has the tightest turning circle in its class. Just the thing for getting out of tricky situations. Summer, the world's greatest season. It's finally here. The sand in your toes, the rays of the sun, the seagulls, the ice cream truck, the crab's legs, the lobster claw. Crack them open, dip them in the butter sauce and have a summer. Ian Collins wants a word. excited we are beside ourselves that's why we're wearing swimming trunks although not kev <laughs> he's got a bikini it's an annual event it's almost like wimbledon it's the summer tombolatron <laughs> which means we do away with convention we get rid of all the usual features uh, there is nothing uh, where we would allow sideshow kev to be unleashed on his own with some poor excuse of a podcast component Instead, we unleash ourselves from the shackles of a format and simply whip out the Tombolatron, which Kev will explain in just a second, and take your questions and chew the fat. It's a big old session of podcast joy. Think back, if you will, kindly listener, to, or, or perhaps if you have kids these days, school fates, wonderful school fates. Yeah. It would always be like a Tombola. You'd go, you'd take your ticket out, you could win a bottle, maybe a bottle of shampoo or a packet of biscuits. Or a or rusty tin of Spam. Wine. That Spam was always a winner yeah. and it was always rusty and the key was always a little bit suspicious. Yeah, yeah. You still get things with keys. Uh, what's that stuff you get in a tin? Well, obviously, pilchards. Pilchards. I think pilchards, yeah. Pilchard sardines. Right, so they haven't refined pilchard technology to the point where it doesn't need a key anymore. I don't think it needs a key. It's not a f***ing Yale lock, Kev. No, but I mean, my point know, is I don't... You don't carry it on your key ring and go, what's that for? That one's from your front door. Yeah, all that right. That one's for the right. back door. That one's for opening, opening my tins of fish. Yes, but as you know, I have for, for many, many years been very suspicious of tiny fish. Therefore, I'm not going to go near your, your key-based deal in okay. order to free them. I'll lock them up. But it seems that in, in these days of, you know, uh, self-opening cans and things that the... The old key mechanism... Self-opening? I mean, it's not Yuri Geller. I mean, what do you mean self-opening? You know what I mean. But it seems that this, this, this sort of key mechanism would be kind of old-fashioned and you want to move on But I think it. it's just because it's an odd-shaped tin, isn't it? It's kind of like a tin, the sort of shape of a mobile phone. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, you, yeah. You don't, you don't really need a, a tin opener in the normal sense. You probably couldn't use one. And they've probably discovered that the tin, the, the, the key that goes with it is probably the, the easiest way to do it. I don't believe that. Yes, it's just is, lazy. It is a bit odd. We don't have uh, any other food that's open. In us. You know, you don't buy a loaf of bread with a chain around it, do you? <laughs> Mind you. Funny as that would be. Yeah. Anyway, the good news is that has, you know, we, we it have... It would be a country and western song, wouldn't it? Unchain my bread. The Tombola, however, in 1979 was very much perfected by the Coleco company who released the Coleco Electric Tombolatron, the futuristic Tombola drum, for all ages. We've got one here, which I think I'm going to... Pow- do, you want, do you want to press the button or shall I? I'll, I can press the button if I can reach the button. Get that broom. Hang on. There we are. It's all powered up. It's a little okay. bit noisy. Yeah, that's all right. We'll turn it down a little bit. Yep. We'll move it to one side a little bit so it's a bit less noisy. But effectively, what the Coleco Electric Tombolatron is going to do for us mm. is people have for a couple of weeks been sending in ideas which we have fed in by hand using those sort of punch card things into the Coleco Tombolatron and it will spit out subjects completely at random 
and we will just shoot the shit about them. That's the idea. That's the idea. Shall I go first? Go for it. Here we go then. From Jan and Rob. Moving house is more stressful than death. Discuss. Yes, probably. Relationship breakup, I think, is more stressful than death. Yeah, what about that? No, I think death is pretty stressful. Well, in that you depends die. who dies and how. And it's the usual thing. It's what we project onto it. So, you know, Myra Hindley dies. Nobody worries about that. Some something happens to a little old lady who everybody loves. Then everybody worries. Well, that's a stressful situation, right? But if you're talking about natural death, when I say natural, I mean somebody who gets to a certain age and dies. Then that's kind of what's meant to happen, as natural as being born. I suppose so. But then you have to consider that. I mean, there's a lot of stress in moving house. There's a lot of stress in relationship breakups. There is obviously yes. stress in death, especially if you're still alive and you have to deal with it. I but will be moving house very, very soon. And You bought that caravan. I've got the caravan and it's all ready to go. Uh, it will be a bit stressful, but uh, the idea that packing up your old kit bag is somehow up there with death is just bollocks. <laughs> Monumental gonad territory. It's just boxes. It's just a van. It's the most stressful thing about all of that caper is ringing all the different, you know, ringing the gas company for the. You've got to get a last meter reading on the place you're leaving, and then you've got to get it all connected up, and then you're going to have two weeks with no Wi-Fi. There's always a bloody Wi-Fi story, yeah, isn't there? He's yeah. meant to come round on Tuesday. They never showed up, and then on Wednesday, bloke came. He thought he was delivering this, and they didn't turn up with that, and then the sky man didn't show. There's all of that, but in the grander scale of things, that probably that total. Uh, inconvenience probably lasts somewhere in the region of maybe two weeks tops. Uh, so the idea that it's up there with family bereavement is frankly crackers. Fine, and I agree with you, but don't you think you have that thing because you know you have to be out at a certain point, especially if you bought a house. You have to be out at a certain point. You have to have all of your stuff packed up. So you've got the stress leading up to that moment. You've got the night before where you've inevitably got stuff lying around. You know, you have to pack up the van. The removal van might not show up. When you get there, it's a question of getting the keys and moving in and all that kind of thing. And then when you're there, you have to decorate. And it's just a nightmare. But, you know, it's great after a while. It's great after a month or so. Jan and Rob might not be a couple anymore. It might be that, you know, they moved house and had big arguments or one of them died. If so, RIP Jan or Rob. Did you see there was an unexplained rise in the number of people dying uh, in the UK, that, that they couldn't work out why, apparently. Really? And the document reported that 600 more people died each week last year than average. 600 per 600 week? 600 per week more than average. Wow. But <laughs> the increase... Nobody questioned this next sentence. The increase was higher in those over the age of 85. Well, I wonder why that might be. <laughs> but I'm guessing that there are more are more 85-year-olds around than there were certainly 50 years ago. Yeah. So people are living... So whether it's to do with that, I don't know. Do you want to have a go with the button? Yes, can I have a go? Here we go. Uh, this is from Ricky. Uh, no other detail. It doesn't say where he's from. Uh, best British films, please. Oh, you'd hate that question, wouldn't you? Why? Uh, well, last week you were banging on about you love your... Superhero movies. Superhero 
men in pants movies, essentially. Well, there's been British superheroes. Like, uh, well, Captain Britain in the comics. No, no actually, here's one. Uh, Michael Crawford was a superhero. Condor Man. Condor Man. And at yes. the time, one of the biggest financial disasters in Hollywood history. Wasn't that a Walt Disney film? It was. Mm. He dresses a It Condor. kind of looked a bit like the Herbie movies in a it did. sort of strange way. But I don't think that counts. That really? doesn't really count. What does count as a classic British film? If you had to say, serious question, best British film of all time, what would win that uh, award? Do Bond films count as British? Kind of. And then, but then again, sort of, so do Harry Potter films, even though they're all financed by Americans. Yeah, I suppose so. But I think you'd have to, I think you could safely say that if they're written by Brits and performed mostly by Brits and directed by but Brits. Financed by overseas money. Yeah, well, the finance doesn't really, I suppose, you know, it's, it's got a bearing on how good a movie might be. It's just such a, I mean, you have to, well, we have to choose one on this question. That's unfair. I don't know. All right, I'll choose one. Carry on, Henry. There you go. That's a British film. Lock, stock, and two... No, I couldn't even say it. <laughs> I can't even I say it. No, I don't blame you. It made me chuckle at the time. But... I think everyone saw it at the time and thought it was amazing. Yeah, The Long Good Friday. There's another gangster flick. The Italian Job. That's pretty good. The Italian Job. Yeah, there you go. That's a good, a the original good example. One. The original one of that. Yeah. Carry on, Dick. <laughs> well, that, this could go on for some time. They were British films, though. Bless This House, they the were, movie. They were British films. Whatever you want to say that, about the British film industry, it was in rude health in the 60s and 70s. It, well, it was Knocking out in- like that. It was a whole industry, wasn't it? And then, of course, there was the Robin Asquith Confessions of franchise, Confessions of a Window Cleaner, Confessions of a Driving Instructor. Yep. I've, never, I've never seen any of those films, by the way. All I remember Haven't was, you? No, as a kid, I just remember... Being aware that these things were knocking around. But you would see them as a kid. That's the thing. I only ever saw them you as a kid. You couldn't see them as a child. You know, your mate would somehow acquire Not when a copy. when you were six. Well, no, but your mate would somehow acquire a copy, and you'd see it, and it would be incredibly dated. I mean, I'm only 22, mm. but it, it would look incredibly dated, which it was, obviously. And Asquith, that merchant, he did those films. He did this ITV sitcom about being a milkman with all the from on the buses yeah. in it. And then he disappeared. The strange thing, he did pitch up more recently in EastEnders. Did he really? And yes, I never saw it, but I'm sure I read Did that. he see any tits? I'd, probably. What is funny about him in those films is that he was always portrayed as the kind of playboy. Now, I don't want to make too many uh, physical judgments on somebody, but Robin Asquith, playboy, I mean, this was a man that looked like somebody had set fire to his face and put it out with a spade. <laughs> it was hardly what you, it was hardly Bond, was he? No. In, in the looks department. He wasn't about to win any awards when it came to who had the best fizzog, and yet for some reason, much like this, they used to do the same with Sid James in the Carry On films. You know, Sid James was a 60-year-old man mostly dating 17-year-old yeah, girls. but... No one ever explained but that. But Sid had game, didn't he? He had yeah. game. He had moves. Bernard Breslau? Smooth. No, but in real, in real life, though, Bernard wasn't known for his exploits. Sid had exploits. Sid was, was sticking little Sid up the... Mm. Wherever, you know. That's very true. What a Im- carry-on. Emmanuel. That's not a British film. It's not a British film? No. You sure? No, it's French, wasn't it? Well, I think it was meant to be French. What, you reckon it was filmed in Croydon or something? I don't know. Anyway, give it another flick, which oddly was live <laughs> from Emmanuel. <laughs> oh, 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 my God. Kev. I'm going to press a button now. <laughs> Kent says... Oh, you're going to like this one. Grown-ups reading comic books. Is hmm. that okay? I have had it explained to me a little more. 
uh, about getting into the world of the the, the Marvel uh, comic, or as I seem to say, and, and the other one, DC. If you if you're part of that, uh, then it's a bit like you know older men collecting train sets. Right. A lot of people think it's a bit weird, but that world of collectors love it, and they love it for a variety of reasons. And I'm told by uh, you know the Rosses, Paul Ross. How does he sound? Paul Ross, Marvel Comics, Captain Caveman. <laughs> loves, Captain Caveman. loves all of that. I think, yeah, I think he's into it. Uh, Frank Skinner, I think, is into uh, the comic book world. And there are sort of too many people that you kind of like and think, well, you're not an idiot, so you clearly find something within these that is incredible. But there's still a part of me that kind of has it up there with adults reading Harry Potter. Right. And I still don't understand... Even when uh, adults try to intellectualise their point about that, you know that oh, I love Harry Potter. It doesn't, it doesn't suppose anything about the reader. <laughs> what are you talking about? I never saw you on the train reading Chicken Licking. Why are you reading <laughs> Harry Potter? You don't. Another example, though. I mean, the greatest children's author ever would be Roald Dahl. I never remember seeing loads and loads of people sitting there reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory no. on a tube or True. Jamie or James and the Giant Peach. It just didn't happen. For some reason, Harry Potter becomes a, a fashion, and adults are without even you know covering it up. But that being said, I mean these are these are books without pictures. I mean, did you ever read comics growing up? Because no, I did. I did. Totally. No, I didn't like them. I was I was very much into um, looking. Well, everyone was into looking, but that's not a comic. That was a magazine. Uh, but um, uh, Iron Man, uh, Batman, Spider Man, not so much Superman. I have to say, I always found him a bit boring. I, I sort of I would read comics, and there's a point where you sort of drift out of them. But then you get things like the iPad, and you can download all these things uh, to your iPad. So I suddenly I, I went through a phase a couple of years ago where I was reading like loads mm. of comic series on the iPad. George and Lynn, I quite liked. <laughs> that was my favourite. Is that still going? That can't still be going, can I it? I don't think it is. It can't be. <laughs> Who came up with that? Who went to the sun and went, Kelvin? I've got this great idea. It's a cartoon strip like no other. You've never seen anything like it. There'll be subtle twists in the plot. There'll be lots to look at. What's it called? George and Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> How did that meeting go? It and at what point did they go, we're going to green light George and Lynn? But those those comic strips are different. I mean, like three or four panel comic strips. Yep. Like, uh, what was the, what the, 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 is it Striker or something? The mundane right, adventures yep. of somebody yep. who plays football. Mm. And I, I would imagine that's it, it has a, a wonderful story if you like that kind of thing. There's a, a cartoon strip in Private Eye by uh, a couple called Knife and Packer uh, called It's Grim Up North London, which is about <laughs> two Islingtonites and right. their, their kind of endeavours. And it's only three blocks of, uh, of, of story. That kind of stuff I quite like. I quite like the political cartoon, but that's very different from the comic cartoon. Just a bit, yeah. And even all that kind of Beano stuff. Didn't like any, you know. I, I try. I wanted to. I was sort of slightly jealous of the kids that did the comics. I just didn't do the comics. I didn't. There was nothing about it that I could get into. I'd say to them, "Can I get that comic? You get the comic." And I'd start to read it, and I it would just trail off. I don't know why. Given my imagination is so fucking <laughs> worrying most of the time. I've absolutely no idea why I couldn't have got into that. But if I lent you a couple of graphic novels, would you try them? graphic novel? What yeah, well, some kind of pervert. It's like a, no, it's comics, isn't it? It's like a comic okay. in a sort of book form. Would you try them? Here's another one. (laughs) 
Nick the Private Dick says, oh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> says, oh, I'm going to Barbados. <laughs> Thanks for that. Please discuss. No, there's nothing to well, discuss. Well, no, but hang on. If you could go, if you could go anywhere, where would you go? <laughs> really? Yeah. Welcome to BBC Radio Sussex. Yeah, why not? You could go anywhere. Where would you go? We could do this right now, like this moment. <laughs> transportation, anywhere you like. Don't say the pub. I'm just thinking in terms of countries you've not visited. Where would you really want to go? There's lots of places I haven't been to. There's loads. Um, I'm a big fan of the go away and do fuck <laughs> holiday. Right. Which I notice there's no brochure that specifically offers that service. There should be. But there should be. That's, that should be the name of a, a holiday company. Andre, set up a holiday company! He's on it now. I just like the idea of uh, in between countdown when the advert comes on. Here at Holidays, where you do fuck all. Relax for two weeks. Holidays, where you do fuck all. For lazy... Quack, quack. Oops, <laughs> Apt or approved. <laughs> A lovely idea. Uh, uh. Uh, where would you go, Kev? Um, I don't know. I've not been to Bali. Bali seems quite nice. I've also not been to Hawaii, and that sounds like a cliche, but uh, you you kind of think at some point want to try Hawaii, don't you? I met somebody not that long ago. It's a try Hawaii, guaranteed to get <laughs> off. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you sure he wasn't thinking of the glades? <laughs> That should have been my answer. Why do I need to go there? I live in Bromley. <laughs> Man alive. Yeah, no, this guy said disproportionately on his holiday, he seemed to go to a lot of places where girls were over-urgent with the old f***ing <laughs> spanners. <laughs> but what? I, really? Yeah, it just happened. I don't know. I, I don't know if he was looking for it or what he was well, doing. Clearly, I don't know how it happened. But he did tell a story of going to a bar one night and sit like a beach bar, and sitting there, and having, a, unfortunately, a cocktail. And <laughs> there he was, you know, sipping his pina colada. And suddenly, <laughs> Again, yes. suddenly he realises that the girl sitting next to him is about to go um, wrist-bound. Really? What? Yeah. Yeah, he was slightly uh, taken aback. Andre, book us three flights to Hawaii! <laughs> And we take a pause from all of this to talk about you. Yes, you. You work hard, you enjoy a laugh, you know what you like. You are clearly a person of great taste, so you really deserve to be driving a Mitsubishi L200. This is one sexy bit of kit. For example, it can drive in two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive on tarmac thanks to the class-leading super-select four-wheel drive system. Beat that. And there's never been a better time to own one. It's now available at an incredible price. The L200 Trojan Double Cab is just 15999 with a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty plus optional three-year fixed-price service plan, so you don't don't need to fret about unforeseen costs biting you on the bum later. Check it all out and find out more details. Mitsubishi-cars.co.uk slash L200. The Mitsubishi L200. Now with a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty. Here's another one. Uh, Nikki, the L200 driver, is back on with us. It's just astonishing how often this person gets on. He says, I'm soon to be a dad. 
Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. Could we do without parking wardens? <laughs> Hang on. How are these two events connected? What events? Being a dad. I'm soon to be a dad. Could we do without parking yeah, wardens? Yeah, well, I think he was just giving us a bit, bit of information about himself. Oh, well, that's nice of him. And then his question was, could we do without parking wardens? Well, he wardens? made it sound like he was... <gasps> a, what do you think about this with regard to child rearing? Oh, I see, yes. Yeah, but yeah, instead yeah. it's about parking wardens. It's about par- I've just remembered something about parking wardens that Have is you? really sinister. And it, we, we just don't even... It, it, it clearly happens. Not, not so much, because it's relatively new. But it happens, and we don't comment on it enough. I dropped the other half off at the shops the other day, and okay. she went in, and she was literally one of those in-out in jobs. So I thought, I'll, I'll park and wait here. It was a double yellow line, but I knew that. I thought, if anybody comes along, I'll just move. And sod's law, I've been there about 25 seconds, and out of nowhere, I mean, talk about superheroes, these clowns in Bromley do just appear. And this fella comes up to the car. Well, he starts to walk towards the car, and he thinks I should be looking at him to right. save him the walk so he can sort of wave his finger and go, no, 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 okay. you've got to move on. But mm. I deliberately looked away in another direction. So he could see me, and he knew I was illegally parked, and I could see he was walking towards the car. So you ran him over. <laughs> so he approaches, and I wind the window down, and he says, you can't park here. And I said, well, actually, I'm not parked, because that suggests that I'm leaving the car and going off to run some errands. I'm actually waiting for somebody, and they're just in that shop there. I'll be two seconds. He says, no, no, you can't park here. So I said to him, I've got into this conversation loads of times. I said, no problem, I'll move. Just out of interest, why do you do this job? And as I'm doing this, I notice that on his lapel, it says CCTV in operation. And on his lapel is a small camera. Really? And he's filming uh, every moment of his day. Every time he's talking to somebody, he's filming. Every time he gives a ticket, he's filming. Every time he has an altercation... I've never seen that. He's filming. Yes, they carry uh, little cameras around on their lapel. And I thought to myself, I mean, you put to one side a second the, the sheer dictatorial properties of the, the parking regime. This is a system that can fine you 80 quid, 100 quid, 150 quid if you get towed away, 350 pounds, 500. You know, we left it in the bay. We, did, we had to pay storage fee while we were waiting to pick the car up to save our money up to pay for it, and that added a five, 600. But these are sort of fees. You wouldn't get fined if you walked into a pub and smashed somebody's face in. Yeah. And yet, for parking four bits of rubber on the wrong coloured paint at the wrong time of day, you can be fined what for some people is a month's wages. I mean, it's so out of proportion, mm. so out of kilter with anything. Put all that to one side for a second. And the extraordinary fact that we've got to that level, that's bad enough for a national debate. That should be bad enough for people to be so angry that MPs' postbags are taken up by 80% of just that. However, the fact that we have servants of the state walking around with cameras in their tits, essentially, (laughs) that should be enough for there to be a march bigger than the anti-war rally over the invasion of Iraq. It should be that. This is beyond Orwell. And no one's really talking. In fact, when we talk about it, we talk about it in a pub situation. Oh, you see the old traffic, got the old cameras now, as if it's kind of... Sort of within that context, as if we're sort of saying, yeah, it's all right, it's just to be expected, isn't it? It's the way life's going. That's massive. That's absolutely huge. You're talking about this warden who's walking around with, as you say, a camera in his tit. 
If he had one on the other tit, would that be 3D? Yes, they could sell the DVDs as well, couldn't they? That'd be amazing. Buy your moment of altercation with Jeff the Traffic Warden. In 3D! Oh, for God's sake. It is amazing how that is not a bigger issue. We, we We got so used to, if you like, the sort of surveillance mentality of certain aspects of our life slash the state that we kind of roll over on this one. I think it's totally vast as a subject and a debating point that people whose existence is already questionable, whose ability to fine and penalise is, is so vast, the scope for it mm. is so great, and in addition to that, they now film you. It, 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 it is beyond what you could... It's beyond parodies, beyond what you could stick in a film. No one talks about it. Wow. I have nothing to say on this issue. Well, blimey, that's like a serious turn there. Yeah, well, why not? Let's have a go. From Megatron's giant cannon. When did nostalgia become retro and why? When did nosta- nostalgia ain't what it used to be and well, all that? Is that what you're saying? If you think about it, back in the, uh, the 90s when we were kids, you'd often hear references to, like, you know, nostalgia. Nostalgia seemed to be some sort of wartime thing. Yeah. It seemed to be sort of... This is what I'm guessing that Megatron's giant cannon is getting at. Nostalgia used to be like, oh, it's it's a sort of wartime thing. It's the 40s and 50s. Mm. And then at some point, nostalgia was always there, like 60s and 70s and 80s. And then suddenly it wasn't nostalgia anymore. It was retro. So everything became retro, which meant it wasn't old and, oh, thinking about the past. It's still kind of current, but it's old-fashioned. Does that make sense? Yes, and also I think if you consider the conversations that older people had and still have when they're talking about sort of the 50s, for example, the music would be an obvious example. Yeah. And they'll go all, all sort of gooey-eyed and they'll start talking about, you know, Buddy Holly and the Everly Brothers. Arthur Askey. Uh, all of that. And they'll go through those that list of, you know, Little Richard and, you know, you could make that piano sing and all of that <laughs> caper. And that I'm, I'm sure all of that was great. Quite a lot of it was awful, by the way. I mean, this massive urban myth that the 60s proffered all good music. You know, we're talking about a decade that produced a band called Herman's Hermits. Yes. I mean, no milk today. (laughs) I'm sure there's probably some huge social comment if you get into it. But there was some pap around, Mm. as well as, you know, Beatles and Stones and that. But people... We we haven't really got, you know, we've got lots of little moments where you could say that era produced a, a good band or a great sound. But mostly we've got Nick Kershaw. Nothing wrong with Nick Kershaw. Oh, he's a, a, a pop songwriter. We interviewed him once, do you remember? We did interview Nick Kershaw. Yeah, he was a very nice man. And very bald. Yeah, he shaved all his hair off. Yes. We don't seem to have that encyclopedic catalogue we can quote that I've noticed, certainly from pop culture, people will go back and maybe that's because that's all they had. So just to say, when we say we interviewed Nick Kershaw, we don't mean in, like, 1985. No, this was recently. This was, yeah, well, more the, recently. Yeah. Five years ago. Yeah, well, ten-ish, I think. Was it? Yeah. No way. It was, yeah. But even so, he seemed like a very nice man. He was a lovely fellow. Yes, it was when he was making his comeback, which, as you can probably tell, <laughs> did brilliantly. I think we killed that off in one interview. Well, you did. I liked him. He was really nice. Yes, I know. But and he, he was superb at writing uh, Tap Your Foot pop tunes. That's what he did, and he said that's his kind of skill. And he's been a hugely successful producer. And I should say, by the way, he is a like, multi-millionaire done incredibly well. He is, but if we're honest, that interview all went south when you said, look, mate, 
There's a tree by a river, there's a hole in the ground. What the f*** does that mean? To be fair, he didn't know either, did he? No, he didn't. And now, that's all I can think, is that there was bigger points of reference on things like that that were more condensed into an era and defined an era. And as the generations have gone on, so our era is kind of... It's wider, it's bigger, it's more spread out, there's more in it, there's more TV, there's more film, there's more music. So you haven't got such a focused set of uh, film songs, whatever. Am I talking crap? No, I think there's something there. And yet also, yes, you're talking crap. Well, a better example, I suppose, people in the 50s used to go dancing on a Friday night. And that's kind of all they did. That was like the rest of the week they worked. Nobody went out on a Monday to Thursday on a Friday night. That was it. They went dancing. They probably didn't go on a Saturday night or a Sunday night. Every, and although there is still a, a, a kind of a mentality for that, the gratitude for dance night was, was far greater as a proportion of what it was then to anything that's followed in subsequent generations because there's almost too much choice. Yeah, dance night, like euphemism night. It wasn't just dancing that went on. I know it was the 50s and it was like, oh, everyone was pure and you waited till you got married. Did you, hell? Come on. Let's be no, realistic about this. No. It'd be like a trip to Hawaii. Well, on I met Dance a lady. Night. I met an old lady on a plane once who was. I, I don't know how we got into this conversation. This is a terrible limerick. <laughs> how we got into this conversation? She said, "You know, your generation. You think you invented everything. You didn't." She said, "We were at it like rabbits back then." And I didn't really want to know this from a woman who looked as if she needed ironing. <laughs> she was probably older than God's teeth, but nonetheless, you and she did join the Mile High Club. Here we go. From Benjamin. Benjamin. I think this is a brain teaser. Uh-oh. Johnny's mother had three children. The first child was named April. The second was named May. What was the third child's name? Bob. Why? Well, because you, let's say it's a boy. You can't call a boy June. You get the shit kicked out of him at school. I'll read it to you again. Johnny's mother had three children. The first child was named April. The second child was named May. What was the third child? A boy. A girl. A monkey. What was the name? Kelvin. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to read this again. Why? That, it's not going to help. I'll read it one more time. I, really, think, I think you can do it, Kev. I think you can do it. Help. I think it's you not can do it. Help. I think you can do it. I don't think so. All right. Johnny's mother had three kids. The first child was named April. The second child was named May. What was the third child called? The answer is not June. <laughs> it can be. Otherwise, it's, a, it's terrible otherwise. This is mental. I'm going to read it one more time, but I'm going to give you the. I'm going to give you some clues on the way. I don't need clues. You do. I don't. Are you ready? Johnny's mother. Johnny's mother <laughs> had three children. The first was named <sighs> April. The second was named May. What was the third? Sideshow Kev is a quit. <laughs> I like that. The brain teaser. There's a whole new pot. No, there's not. <laughs> oh, is anyone doing a brain teaser podcast? Probably. Are they? Like Ian Lee. Do you think anyone would listen to the two of us sitting around for 45 minutes just doing brain teasers that I don't get? They might I don't think so. I don't think so. And there you go. That's it! That was nice. I that enjoyed was good that. good fun. Yeah. Should we do some credits? Oh, can I join in? Yeah. Credit stream. So this is the bit, Kevin, I normally say, you know, enough of this tomfoolery. Uh, but we are, of course, back next week. Hooray. That's it, yeah. Uh, thank you for downloading. If you like what we do and want to help support this podcast, make sure you go to iTunes where you can rate, review. What's the other one? Yeah, subscribe. Subscribe. Yeah, you have to subscribe, then you get it automatically. And if you're an Android user, don't worry, because you can get a free Stitcher app. There's lots of other apps, but, you know, Stitcher is great. Stitcher.com slash once a word. 
and thank you to all of our guests. We didn't have any, but our guests were really you. You supplied the questions for us to put in the Tombolatron. Give yourselves a little uh, imaginary trip to Hawaii. Can I just say, we put... There were 140 questions in there. OK, that's not bad, is it? And we picked out, I don't know, what, about eight? Uh, the intro feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod. His website is incompitech.com. Show's technical operator, Andre Porch. Andre Porch! Yeah, we had no intern this week. There's no chunky fact this week. No. Well, you we, we don't need one. We, none of that, Caper. But we are back next week when we might have LaDonna Harvey with us. We're, really? Our American correspondent. We might not, though, Kev. That's a terrifying prospect. We might not. We might do something totally different. But we are back in seven days. Well, that's just swell. Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. (laughs) Big Things! Another Ian Collins once a word fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. The L200 has won what van pickup of the year 15 times. That's more silver than most Premiership teams could ever dream of. It's fine, you guys are pretty cool. You guys are pretty awesome. I like you guys.